Welcome to the Hunting for Purpose podcast, the official podcast home for all human design manifestors. I'm your host, Holly Marie, a 4-6 clinic manifester, a certified human design teacher, and a manifester who is following her own creative urge to facilitate a thriving global community of aligned, powerful manifestors. Wherever you are at in your manifester journey, or even if you are here just because you love a manifester and you want to understand them a little bit more, this podcast is the place for you. Stick around for in-depth teaching, for real-life practical tips and understandings of the manifester journey, and how to become aligned and powerful and thriving as a manifester. You are here for global impact. You are here to change the world. The time is now. The journey is yours. This podcast is your home. Hello, hello, my beautiful people. And welcome back to another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. As always, I am absolutely thrilled to have you here. I've been doing our solo episodes just as kind of one-off recordings at the moment, which is super different for me because I normally batch create content and that includes the podcast. So throughout the life of my business, really what I've done is um, batch create podcasts. So I'll take all of our solo episodes for you know perhaps a two-month period and I'll wait till I'm in a, a creative cycle when I'm really, really chatty and I'll record a whole bunch of episodes. But that hasn't felt like the way my energy wants to do things this year. So I'm I'm doing kind of one solo episode at a time and really allowing my evolution in my journey to be the guide as to what I bring forward in each episode, which I'm certain that's why my energy does not want to bulk create these podcast episodes because I'm learning as I'm going. And back in the very, very genesis of my business, when I came into the online space and I was a spiritual business coach, this was how I operated. I My whole philosophy was as long as I am two steps ahead of my clients, two steps ahead in terms of whatever I'm teaching, then I really can still have integrity in what I'm bringing forth and, and the impact that I'm having on people's lives. So it does feel kind of like a little nostalgic return to that way of doing things. And I think that as manifestors, it can be really important for us to revisit past seasons. You know, it can be really important for us to revisit past modes, past strategies, past identities, um, just past ways that we used to be and we used to do. And not only is that sentimental for us, there is a sense of nostalgia in doing it. I think that when we allow ourselves to return to something and stop viewing our lives just as always needing to strive forward, always needing to go on to the next, the next thing, the next creative urge, the next initiation, allowing ourselves to sometimes go back to ways that we used to do things helps us to slow down and it helps us to get a, a bigger scope of the timeline on which we are operating. So just my little two cents there. I want to do a, a bit of a teaching podcast today. I don't feel like I've been doing particularly teachy type podcasts lately. I've been doing a lot more um, kind of conversational, just bringing nuanced concepts to you guys. But I want to bring some teaching that I have previously done in other contexts for manifestors. And I want to bring them into the context of relationships today because that's what my spleen told me to do. So <laughs> that's what I'm here to do, guys. I want to talk today about 
the core wounds we experience as a manifester and how those show up in your relationships. So this is a concept uh, that I taught, golly, I think initially it was when I was creating uh, the Manifestor Mastery Certification. So that was back in 2020, I believe. I created that one. That was a huge creative urge. At the time, that was the biggest creative urge I had ever had. And I just sort of, I don't know, almost vomited out all of this content. And um, a lot of it was, was at the time very much felt channeled. I think I probably would still say that it was channeled. Um and really what it felt like was that that the information that is in the Manifesto Mastery Certification, some of it is in itself a creative urge. It kind of came from the 5D and I put it into the 3D. And the core wounds is definitely one of those areas. This is not a teaching that I have ever seen anywhere else. This was not taught to me by someone. Um, this was something that I felt come through me. And over the years, I've really witnessed it play out in profound ways in myself and in a lot of manifestors around me. And so to me, this has great validity. I, I want to be clear about that, though, that this is not a teaching that comes from the original human design lectures. Ra does not teach about this. And if that is something that bothers you, perhaps now is a good time to start listening. Um, but if you're intrigued and you're open-minded, then come on in and keep listening. So when I talk about core wounds as a manifestor, I'm talking specifically about four core wounds that all manifestors experience. This is not to be confused with the concept of core wounding within human design. If you have learned about core wounding in human design, what we're referring to is the shadow that is on your unconscious Jupiter gate. That is your core wound. That's your individual personalized core wound that you will see thematically show up across the entire course of your life. I'm not referring to that. Okay, I'm, it's the same kind of language. We're talking about core wounds, but I'm talking much more collectively here. I'm talking about the core wounds that every manifester experiences. So you're going to experience some level of each of these four wounds on top of your individual core wound as well. And for some of you, one of these might actually be the same as your core wound. That's, that's what it is for me as well. So core wounds, we're talking about these things that um, a wounding that create a level of trauma for you. These core wounds are in your existence in a energetic format. So these are largely unconscious. They perhaps in some ways came through you genetically into your DNA, but you will also have seen these reinforced and played out across your life situations. I have, I am yet to meet, I'm yet to meet a manifester that does not have an experience with each of these core wounds and does not have at least one trauma associated with these. So these are pretty paramount to the manifesto experience. And largely I do teach them in depth, which is why I've always taught them in a program and never in free content. But it just feels so correct to bring these into this almost like collaborative lens with, well, how do these core wounds show up in our relationships then? Because everything is always happening in our relationships. So I'm going to give you a very brief overview of the core wounds. 
If that doesn't make sense to you, if you feel like you still want more depth, firstly, I want to let you know, you're probably not going to find this content out on the general web. Okay. (laughs) I don't know anybody else that's teaching this more in depth. Um, And at this point in time, the only way to get further teaching on the core wounds as a manifester are by joining the Manifestor Mastery Certification which we will be opening later in the year. So you are welcome to join the wait list if you want to get some information about that. Okay. The four core wounds that we all experience on some level as manifestors, they are rejection, inadequacy, control, and mediocrity. Let me take that from the top again. The core wounds are rejection, inadequacy, control, and mediocrity. Now, these core wounds are, yes, as I've said, going to show up in your individual experience. But what I want to talk about today is how these show up in our relationships. Because remember, all relationships are mirrors. All relationships are mirrors, which means that anything that you are experiencing in your relationships, any kind of biofeedback that you are getting in your relationships from another person's emotional reaction, from the words that they're using, the way that they're behaving, the interactions that you have, all of that is a mirrored experience. So it is coming from you as much as it is coming from them. I covered this pretty in depth in our previous episode on um, being an initiator in relationships when really talking about this idea that as manifestors, we are the initiating energy in all relationships. And so therefore, whatever is being mirrored back to you was created by you. You were the catalyst. You were the beginning. You were the creator of it. The genesis is, in fact, you. So this is taking that that idea a little bit further and saying, okay, if all relationships are mirrors and I am the person who is energetically initiating in all of my relationships, if I am experiencing rejection, inadequacy, control, or mediocrity in my relationships, that's probably mine. It's probably my core wounding and I need to know the ways that those are showing up so that I can do the work on healing them. Often when these things show up in relationships, we think that we're kind of just being manifestors, (laughs) like razzle-dazzle hands, like I'm just being a manifester. That's just the way that I operate. And this is where any language, including human design, can become very limited because we can distort it and pervert it in order to meet our agenda of avoiding doing our own healing work, avoiding doing our own deconditioning and really doing our own shadow work. What we're often doing in relationships as manifestors is being just like everyone else. We're not being manifestors. We're just projecting our wounds onto other people. And when we do that because of our manifesto energy, we can do some very, very deep damage to our relationships, which in turn damages us and damages the other person. So in my, in my view, these concepts, these ideas that we're discussing throughout the course of this year about how do we show up as manifestors in relationships? Where is our wounding? Where is our conditioning? How does all of this kind of... Um, narrate itself almost in the the individual relationships we're having in our lives all of that is saying we need to take responsibility we just do we need to take responsibility as manifestors with great power comes great responsibility and that has always been my perspective in in doing this manifesto teaching and in undertaking my own learning and growth as a manifestor is that 
if I can wield this enormous amount of power in the world and in my own tribe, in my own inner world, I really need to take the ultimate level of responsibility to be doing my own healing work and to be involved in as much self-awareness as I possibly can so that I'm not creating damage, so that I am having that legacy of beautiful impact that really, really grows people. Okay, let's start diving into each of the four wounds. Otherwise, this episode is going to get really, really, really long and nobody wants that. (laughs) So our first core wound is rejection. This is, you're going to see in a lot of these core wounds that there's a primal human element to it. Of course, we all fear rejection. That is the human condition because historically speaking, rejection has meant death. Rejection has meant that you do not survive. If you are rejected by your tribe, then you are on your own and you do not live. So yes, we all have some element of the fear of rejection and that wounding around being rejected. As manifest as largely this comes on our additional level, it comes from that sense of I'm too much, right? I'm, I'm going to be rejected by people or by places because I'm just I'm just too much, right? I'm too threatening to people. I'm too unpredictable. I'm too noticeable. Um, I'm too loud. I'm too creative. I'm too independent. I just am too much of many, many things for people. We all have a lot of experiences of being rejected. I mean, one of the qualities of our, our energetic aura is that it repels people. And to us as humans, of course, that triggers our wounding around rejection. Of course, we're afraid of being rejected when we repel people unconsciously. However, what that does for a manifester is that it creates this wounded place where we have this litany of experiences behind us that says, I know I'm too much for a lot of people. And that creates rejection. And I have now a neural pathway and a nervous system response to not wanting to be rejected because that's triggering for me. You know, not only does it feel awful, but to my nervous system, it means I'm not going to survive this. On top of this, manifestors have the unique experience that other people don't have where our urges can be rejected. And we all know that some people really love your urges, right? There's always going to be that collection of people that say, oh my goodness, this is amazing. This is exactly what I needed and I'm so ready for it. And they'll, they'll take it on board and they'll, they'll do the journey with you and they'll be really inspired. But there, there is always a collection of other people. It kind of depends on how big that collection of other people is. But there is always a collection of people who are, they reject your urges, right? They're not ready for it. They don't like it. It's too threatening. It's too much. It's too out of the box. It's, you know, it's innovative before it's time. And each of us as manifestors have had that experience with one or more of our urges in the past where even even we to ourselves will birth an urge and we'll think the world is not ready for this. It's not ready. You know, it's like the the urge came out of timing, out of sync, I have noticed that particularly emotional manifestors feel this. I mean, and I'm saying this as a splenic manifestor. I would be curious about what the ego manifestor experience of this is, but I certainly have noticed that emotional manifestors have this added fear of 
I'm, I'm not just too much because I'm a manifester. I'm too much because I have a lot of emotion and my manifest energy is expressed through my emotion. I really notice this in a lot of the emotional manifestors in my life. Um, my favorite one to observe is, of course, my son. He's a four, six emotional manifester and he's nine right now. And, you know, just the, the force behind his emotions is so big. It's just so big and it's a lot. And I see some people cringe away from it. I feel myself as an undefined emotional being cringing away from it sometimes. And then I really have to be aware of that and place myself back in it. Um, But I, I do want to do kind of an additional shout out here for our emotional manifestors that rejection takes on a, a, an extra quality for you guys because you've got this added layer of, I fear that I'm going to be rejected because I'm too emotional because I'm too dramatic, you know, because I bring too much like emotional expression or emotional volatility to my relationships. What this results in for everyone, emotional manifester or splenic or ego, is that in relationships, we will tend to push other people away before they push us away, right? I don't want to be rejected. And so I'm going to reject you before you reject me. Yeah, I'm going to be a bit aloof. I really want to pay particular attention to people who have a line one or a line two in their profile, the aloofness is a very common theme amongst those profile energies. And when we combine that with the manifesto energy and with this core wound of rejection and we put it into relationships, there's there's a lot of that. I'm gonna I'm gonna pull away. I'm aloof. I am disconnected. Like you can't have me. I'm gonna reject you before you even have any opportunity to reject me. And what this means is that you can end up being very lonely as a manifester, very, very lonely as a manifester. And what disturbs me is that there's a lot of conversation um, amongst manifestors and amongst the human design space as a whole in talking about manifestors just living a lonely existence. Like, oh, well, shrug of the shoulders. Manifestors are just lonely. Oh, well, I, I profoundly disagree. I hugely disagree. And the more I do work on myself in relationships over this year, the more I strongly disagree with that sentiment. We are not designed to be lonely and we are not designed to be alone. I think that our tendency for loneliness is a manifestation of this rejection core wound where we choose isolation over connection because that way we avoid being rejected. Okay, core wound number two, inadequacy. This one also happens to be my personal core wound, the shadow of gate 48. So inadequacy is something that I am super duper familiar with. And (laughs) some days I'm just really sick of it. But inadequacy is exactly what you feel it is, my friends. It is the fear and the wounding of I'm not good enough. I am not good enough. Who I am is not good enough. What I do is not good enough. Anything I achieve, any way that I exist, be, do, speak, connect, love, it is not good enough. What this pushes you into is a lot of behavior around needing to prove yourself, needing to keep up. We see a big connection between the core wound of inadequacy and sacral conditioning that says, I have to keep up. I have to be responsive. I have to be engaged. I have to be creating all the time. I cannot rest because 
I'm not good enough. I'm simply not good enough. And if I just work harder, then I will be good enough. If I just keep working hard and hard and hard and hard, I will be good enough. Of course, this is a an illusioned cycle. There is never an amount of hard work that makes you good enough because there is never a threshold at which you suddenly become good enough. The core wound that exists here says, if I'm not good enough, I won't be loved and accepted. And so I want to avoid recognizing that I feel I'm not good enough by just trying harder to be good enough. Yeah, it's, it's a messy, messy cycle, this core wound of inadequacy. For manifestors, we've, we've got some links into this. I mean, we often feel even within ourselves that we are inadequate to initiate the creative urge that we've received. Oh, I don't have enough energy. Oh, I don't have the skills. I don't have enough money. I don't have enough time. And so we then do not initiate the urge. And then we get into this cycle of resentment and anger and we are not paying attention to our energy. We don't honor our rest cycle. We don't honor our creative cycle. Blah. We are an out of alignment manifester. So inadequacy for manifestors doesn't just show up in that traditional way that it does for everyone else. It's also going to show up in this internal battle with, am I even good enough to be the manifestor that I am? In relationships, I would say that this is a a global experience for every single human being. I, I don't think that there are any human beings on the planet that have not at some point struggled with inadequacy in their relationships and feeling like, I'm just, I'm not good enough for this other person. Anybody who's ever gone through a journey of self-love, self-worth, self-esteem is going to recognize this. You know, I love this person and they love me, whether it's a friendship, a, you know, romantic relationship, a working relationship, whatever it may be. I have a connection to this person that is meaningful and I worry that I'm not good enough for them. The way that this shows up, this core wound, especially for manifestors, is that this becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. So if we are so fixated on feeling that we are not good enough in our relationships, we are not even good enough for ourselves, then we are hyper-focused on any evidence that supports that wound, that supports that narrative. We will look for anything that says, huh, there it is, there's the evidence, there's the validation, I am, I'm not good enough. I knew that I wasn't good enough. Look at that. And this makes us hyper critical and reactive to people that we are in relationships with. Any commentary that they make can be twisted and distorted into this. Um, I've recently had this experience from the other side with a manifesting generator. And I really recognized how much of that were things that I used to do right? That um, this person was kind of perceiving a lot of our exchanges as, will you make me feel inadequate? Even though I wasn't saying that there was inadequacy, I was saying the opposite. I was saying, you're more than adequate. You're more than good enough. So I, I saw within myself how much I had been like that in the past in really, really kind of deep, deep ways. I think that I hadn't recognized at the time. And now in retrospect, I do. This is insidious for us. It's very subtle. It's very, very subtle. And this, out of anything, is probably the one that I would encourage you to pay the most attention to as to how it's showing up in your relationships with others and in your relationship with yourself. Okay, core wound number three, 
control. Manifestors everywhere be nodding their heads right now. Like, girl, you don't even need to explain what the core wound of control is. (laughs) I know it. I mean, when we boil this out, we already have a lot of conversation about control and manifestors. The whole thing about don't tell me what to do as a manifestor that's a representation. It's a, it's a manifestation of, of this core wound of control. The root cause of it is a lot deeper than just that fluffy surface level of, I'm not designed to be told what to do. Mm, I'm not here to be controlled. Yes. Excellent. Why is that? <laughs> we are energetically designed to be protected, to not in any way be controlled. Yes, but, but also not to be influenced by other people's energy, by their opinions, by their processes. This is the central aspect to our role here in the collective as manifestors, that we're here to initiate new things and new ways and new energies that the collective needs. And in order to do that, we cannot be caught up in any kind of control or management, you know, being managed by other people because they they have not gone where we've gone. Of course they haven't. We haven't even gone where we've gone until we've gone there, right? We have to be the first people to do it. So um, manifestors from probably the moments before birth have already entered into this, this friction and this conflict and this struggle back and forth between, but I, I can't be controlled. And yet because I can't be controlled, that's exactly what other people want to do. They want to control me. That creates trauma. It just does create trauma. Out of all of these core wounds, the control core wound is the one where the most trauma from, for a manifesto comes from. We all have horribly, horribly painful experiences of being controlled in one way or another, um, either by our parents, by authority figures, by systems, by um, bosses, you know, or, or even then controlling ourselves. We can really internalize this wounding behavior and seek to control ourselves and force ourselves to, um, you know, behave like a generator or behave like a projector or whatever we think is the acceptable form of energy. As manifestors, any experience where you are being in any way controlled to not be an expression of yourself or be in alignment with your energy or to have complete autonomy and freedom over your energy is going to create some level of nervous system trauma for you. Because remember, when we're talking about trauma, we're not talking about the situation itself. We're talking about the way that your nervous system has received that situation, the data that your nervous system is operating from. That's trauma. And so, of course, manifestors who are moving through the world experiencing a world that that wants to control us when we are not designed to be controlled (laughs) ding ding trauma right your nervous system is receiving a lot of that the way that this manifests itself in relationships is kind of quirky because i think that if we looked at this just on a surface level i mean i've what i come across in most manifestors the vast majority of manifestors is that we're we're pretty are naturally empowered people, right? We're naturally autonomous. We're naturally independent. Um, and so we tend to consciously be very aware that we don't want to be in controlling relationships. It's unusual for a manifester to consciously end up 
in a controlling relationship um, because it just feels so wrong for us to do that. That's not to say that you are not ever in a controlling relationship as a manifester, um, but I think that that would probably show up differently for maybe, you know, a projector or or even a generator, maybe even a reflector because it's a, a visceral revolt within us. It's a physical resistance within our energy. It's undeniable that we know we are not to be controlled. And so we largely kind of don't consciously put ourselves in situations where we get controlled. Yeah. So in, in our relationships, it's not simply a matter of saying, oh, well, this core wounding of, you know, not wanting to be controlled, fearing being controlled, having trauma from being controlled, um, you know, shows up in sometimes accidentally getting controlled by others. Mm -mm. Often the way that it shows up is that we will try to control other people. It's a little bit of a burn, even as I say it, you know, for myself, um, we try to control others and we see this in very subtle ways. We also see it in really damaging ways. So this comes down even to the subtlety of wanting to control how other people respond to you as a manifester. When we're initiating, we want to control how other people are going to respond to that. We want to control whether people listen to our informing, right? We want to control whether other people inform us. We want to control whether people are accepting of our need to rest. We want to control whether people are, you know, inspired or on board with our creative urges. We seek to control people in a lot of ways as manifestors. This is a problem. It's a problem, guys, not only because... Being being a controlling person is associated with a lot of shame. I think that all of us can acknowledge, certainly for myself I can, acknowledge that um, seeing myself in controlling behavior feels really shameful to me because I, I understand what it feels like to be controlled and I don't ever want to do that to another person. Um, but we have these behavioral tendencies that push us into doing it. But... These little elements of control that we do, we have to remember are coming from a core wound of fearing being controlled. So what we're actually doing here is, is we're not being assholes. We're not saying I want to control the whole world around me because I'm some kind of control freak. No, it's saying I'm going to control what is happening in my relationships. I'm going to control the way that other people respond to me so that I can ensure that they don't control me and I never get into that dynamic. Curiously, what this can show up as is boundaries. And I think that all manifestors need to pay attention to this one because we can implement what we think are just boundaries, but really what they are is this subtle control. It's this tendency to say, I'm going to control you to behave the way I want you to behave so that I never, ever risk you controlling me. Boundaries are a whole big topic. I'm not going to go too far into that, but I just want to drop that little tidbit there for you. Have a look at where your boundaries might not actually be boundaries as a manifester, but perhaps your boundaries are a method 
for you to control other people, thus allowing you to feel safer. Okay, final core wound, mediocrity. This one is similar. It's similar to inadequacy. And I, I have a friend in my life who, uh, you know, my core wound is inadequacy. This friend's core wound is mediocrity. And it's really interesting to see the way that those two core wounds play out because they are so, so similar. Um, inadequacy being that sense of I'm not good enough, so I need to work harder. And mediocrity being that sense of I'm afraid that I won't contribute in a big way and my life will be meaningless. So I need to contribute more. I need to do more. Both of these core wounds will engage that sacral conditioning. Both of them will leave you feeling like there is something that is um, missing within yourself, right? I'm, I'm either not good enough or I'm not special enough. I'm not spectacular enough. Start to play with the nuances between these two in your life. When we're talking about this core wound around mediocrity, what this is based on is the manifested desire to have a legacy, to have an impact. You know, we didn't come here to live small lives. We came here to live very, very big lives. We came here to have an energetic impact. That's why we chose the energy of being a manifester over being any of the other energy types. We are energetically wired to have an impact. And so for a manifester, when we're living in any kind of experience that just feels it just feels mediocre. Like it's just, it's lacking. It's not worth my time. It wasn't powerful enough. It wasn't meaningful enough. It wasn't big enough. Really what we're saying is I'm worried that I'm running out of time. You know, that, that I came here to be big and to be significant for the purpose of, of the world's growth. And what is actually being reflected back to me is that I'm kind of mediocre. We can see this in our creative urges <clears throat> when we initiate our creative urges and we feel like we've done a mediocre job at it. Right? We, haven't, we haven't quite hit the mark. It wasn't uh, quite unique enough, quite special enough, quite big enough. I see this in business all the time, manifestors who initiate creative urges as products and then will judge the validity of the creative urge based on how many people bought it and how much money they got from it, how successful the launch was. That's the core wound of mediocrity showing up right there. The success was that you initiated the creative urge. The core wound says, well, if it wasn't spectacular, then it was ultimately meaningless, and that means that you're not contributing. Yeah? In our relationships, this core wound is a manifesto of, of fearing being mediocre instead of being big tends to show up as us keeping people at a distance. We tend to kind of pull pull away and keep people at this arm's length so that they don't see our mediocrity. I have noticed this far more in myself as I have gotten, um, I guess, more recognized in the public space, like um, getting a bigger following, dealing with more of an audience, dealing with more clients, you know, when your name starts to get recognition. And and this is not the first context in which that's happened for me. I had the same thing in my previous business um, and I did the same thing there. I responded from a, I'm going to, I'm actually just going to put you all at arm's length. I'm just going to keep everything sort of in this outer circle going on over here so that you don't get too up close to me and see that, in fact, I am mediocre, that you think I'm amazing, you think I am significant, you think I am really inspiring, 
but I'm, I have this fear that I'm actually pretty mediocre, that really what I'm doing is, is not special and is not spectacular. Straight away, we can see that as manifestors, who are people in our relationships, and we've talked about this before, we are people in our relationships who don't need. We don't need a relationship. Our, our connection and our offering of love to people is that we want them. We want them. We say, I don't, I don't need you. I am okay without you, but I want you. And that means I love you and I'm choosing you and I want you to be around we can see straight away very, very easily how this expression of I don't need you actually can be the expression of the mediocrity core wound. This core wound that says, I'm going to keep you at a distance. I'm going to keep you on that outer circle so you don't see my mediocrity. You don't see that I'm afraid of being mediocre. But then I'm going to kind of fashion that into this very beautiful package with this human design language that says, yeah, but I'm a manifester, so I don't need you. So I don't have an inner circle. I don't have, you know, people that are close to me. Once again, oh, I'm lonely. (laughs) All of these core wounds, when being um, mirrored or the founding point in any relationship, are going to result in loneliness. And so when we talk about manifest as being lonely and manifest as being lone wolves and manifest as being isolated and manifest as being separate, whatever language you want to use around that. What we're actually saying is I'm a manifester and I'm existing in my relationships in one or more of my core wounds. Because if I was not operating from a fear of rejection, if I was not operating from a fear of inadequacy, if I was not operating from a fear of control, and if I was not operating from a fear of mediocrity, I would, I would have intimacy in my relationships. I would have people up close to me. I would not be lonely. I would be openly sharing and expressing myself. I would be allowing people to see me. I would be informing. I would be um, emotionally vulnerable with people who are trustworthy and safe to do so with. This is no small thing, my friends. This is no small thing, these core wounds as manifestors and as I've stated a few times now over the course of these podcasts this year, and, and in our Instagram content, it's time for us as manifestors to get serious about doing our healing work in relationships. It's time. It's time for us to do that. No one's going to do it for us. We are the initiators. We go first. We have wounding that is being projected onto other people in our relationships. We are pushing other people away before they push us away. We are seeing that people are calling us inadequate when in fact they are not. We are trying to control other people and we are keeping people at a distance and saying, I don't need you. These things are not just hurtful to other people. They're hurtful to us because they keep us isolated. They keep us alone. They keep us wounded. As manifestors, yes, we are energetically separate. Yes, we live behind a closed aura. Yes, we are not here to be controlled or to be influenced. None of that means that we are here to not have relationships. Let me be very clear about that. As a manifestor, it is not a correct narrative. It is not true that we are here to not have relationships or not be connected to other people or to live life alone. We need to stop thinking that because because all we're doing is 
perpetuating all of these wounds. We're perpetuating this trauma that we have carried with us by saying, oh, I'm just, I'm going to hide in the corner over here. I'm just going to be separate from all of you. We're never going to move forward if we do that. And and we're never going to really initiate and carve out that space for us um, as manifestors in this new paradigm. We need to determine what our role here is in this new paradigm, or at least be aware of how that is evolving itself, what role is is coming up for us, and then be healed enough and brave and courageous enough to step into that role. We're here in a collective, in a collective experience. We are manifestors in human bodies, in a human world, having a human collective experience. Relationships are at the core of all of that. So we need to do some work here. And if you're listening to the podcast, you're in a great place because <laughs> we're doing heaps of work on that this year. All right, I'm going to stop talking. That's a lot of talking. That's my um, rest cycle throat tapped out at 40 minutes, guys. Thank you so much for listening. I really appreciate you being here for this one. Please do uh, share on your stories on Instagram, tag us or on Facebook if you prefer, um, tag us and let us know how this episode impacted you. We always love being informed in that way. And just like always, until next time, keep hunting for purpose. Thank you so much for spending a little bit of time with us today in another episode of the Hunting for Purpose podcast. We so enjoy having you here and whether you are listening to my insights or the wisdom of one of our other incredibly talented manifesto specialists, we really truly hope that you have taken away power, transformation and wisdom about your own manifesto magnificence. Before you go and switch off, we would be so humbly grateful if you could take the time to either leave a podcast review right on the platform that you're listening to, or if you feel like it, please do a share across your social media. We love to hear how each of the episodes is impacting you, and we love to provide an opportunity for you to inform us via social media. So please share a story or a post about this episode and tag us at The Manifesto Community. Until next time, please, manifestors, keep hunting for purpose.